It's Tuesday, November 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, Mark Reith. Happy Tuesday, gents. I'm starting Happy to anticipate the turkey. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but we we do have some earnings as we sort of wrap up this earnings season, uh, and we will talk some retail. Let's start with Tiffany. Third quarter profit and revenue, both lower than expected. So, Jason Moser, I'm compelled to ask, why is the stock up? <laughs> uh, well, I think the main reason why the stock is up is because management reiterated their former guidance. They've, they've kind of raised guidance every quarter going into this quarter. This quarter, they've reiterated their full-year guidance, uh, which I, th- I think is, is very encouraging. The misses were slight. I mean, sales were a little bit light. Uh, earnings were a little bit light. There was a one-time charge there on some debt that they refinanced, which is uh, in the in the grand scheme of things the right thing to do. But I, I mean, the business is doing very well. Uh, North American sales, in particular, that, that represents about fifty percent of the company's overall business, the Americas region, and and um, it, that continues to grow. Uh, I think it was up somewhere in the neighborhood of, of ten or so percent. Uh, Japan is the big story, I think, really for Tiffany though, because that's responsible for about fifteen percent of their overall sales, and we. Know, Japan just kind of fell back into a recession there. There's some issues there with the potential tax hikes coming down the road here. There was a, a an increase in the consumption tax here earlier this year, which which uh, started uh, thinning out some of their business here as the year progressed. Uh, but again, I mean, you're looking here at a this is a luxury brand, right? We always talk about sort of luxury versus affordable luxury and coach and Michael Kors. We always kind of looked at those as, as the affordable luxury. And, and what's the difference there? And, and the big difference is you look at Tiffany and look at gross margin here. Gross margin was up 250 basis points this, this quarter <clears throat> based on the fact that they were able to, to maintain pricing and raise pricing in certain areas. And, and that is, is a luxury brand right there. They are able to exert some pricing power. And and keep their margins in line, whereas sort of these other these other luxury retailers or you know sort of the affordable luxury retailers they they're be they're kind of stuck. They they have to start kind of cutting prices and offering discounts. Uh, Tiffany is not going to participate in Black Friday. That's not what they do. I think the second they do that is the second you want to drop the stock like it's hot. I was just going to say it's it is both impressive that they know their business so well that they've resisted. And I'm sure there have been people internally who have, at one time or another, suggested, you know, we could do a slight, just a slight discounted version. And the market opportunity, because let's face it, the market opportunity, if you go down market, it's enormous, Mark. But the fact that they've just said, nope, that's not who we are as a business, that's not what we do. And we're just not going to play that game. I respect it. I like it. One one issue I have with that, though, if if Tiffany doesn't have a good coming quarter, if they don't have a good holiday season, if it's another quarter like this where it's kind of meh, that stock's going to take a hit. I wasn't impressed by these numbers. People need to be impressed. Maybe after the maybe after this quarter, if things don't go so well, maybe you do have that conversation. Maybe you start thinking, "Hey, we could sell some Tiffany branded gear over at Walmart on Black Friday or Thanksgiving Thursday these days." I, so I would say, I mean, to that, I, I think that what you're saying makes sense. I, I do believe that they they will not revert to that, and and so I go back to June of 2012, where I actually uh, tapped this for my real money portfolio, and and it was a point in time where they were really feeling the pressure of a pinched consumer. Right, there was just no one out there spending that kind of money, and and. We saw then they did not they did not resort to discounting in sales. They basically just 
you know, they stayed the course. And what what happened was it presented a stock price that was it was very pessimistic time. The stock price reflected that. Uh, and and to be clear, that was that was you know a hundred percent ago. I mean, the stock has doubled over that course of time, which which is Chris. That's not bad. That's um, <laughs> and so I, again, I think that you know, Tiffany, they they also are very. Uh, methodical and growing out that store base because it, it's a very exclusive brand. I mean, I, I really appreciate the fact that management realizes because if they grow that store base out to, you know, they have somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 stores today, but if they try to grow that store base out to five, six, seven hundred stores, all of a sudden maybe that dilutes the brand a little bit, makes it a little bit less exclusive. So they're growing this company slowly but surely. I think we have a management team in here that, that does look at things with a longer time horizon than many. And, and you know, they they are reaping the benefits of of really nurturing that brand over time. It's really paying off. Stock is at an all time high. Is it fairly valued? Is it a little frothy? You know, I if you look at the full year estimates here, the stock is trading at around twenty five times full year estimates today. So from from that perspective, I I don't know that I really think it is that overpriced. To be honest with you, I think it it actually looks. Kind of attractive there, particularly knowing that there's a management team behind it all that is looking at this with a with a longer time horizon in mind. Campbell's Soup first quarter profit and revenue both came in better than expected. Shares up on the news looked like a pretty good quarter, Mark. Not a bad quarter at all. So uh, earnings per share up 12.1 percent, revenue up 4.2 percent. Three out of their five major segments, you saw some growth. The problem isn't financially for Campbell's. For more and more for me, this is a tale of two companies where on the one hand you have this classic Campbell's brand. Everyone knows the name Campbell's. It's always going to be around. It's such a strong name out there. Financially, the company's doing pretty well, but they're fighting this battle with with consumers who are more and more and we've seen this with Whole Foods, more and more interested in the organic, the healthy stuff. You know it's not organic and healthy can soup for 99 cents. Uh, people people are, are starting to take themselves out of that. Uh, and especially as the economy improves, more people have jobs, more people have money to spend. That means spending it on better meals and less so on 99 cent cans of soup. And on top of all that, you've got the, the companies like Kroger creating their own private labels as well that they can just sell in their own stores. That's competing for shelf space. That's competing uh, uh, probably on a cent or two uh, price-wise. So, there's a lot Campbell's is facing a lot of headwinds. At the same time, again, though, financially, the company seems pretty sturdy to me. Well, to your point, and and we've talked about this with other companies, other businesses as well, you and I can't just go out and start our own soup company and compete with the likes of Campbell's. But to your point, the major grocers Mm -hmm. that decide that it is worth it to them to invest in that that once they make that leap, once a Kroger comes in and says we're going to start doing this, then it becomes a really significant problem for Campbell's because you're right. Amongst their sort of traditional competitors, mm-hmm. they've got the greatest brand recognition. It's the easy go-to, and it's reliable. I don't, you know, there's there's probably not a whole lot of consumers who, when they think really hard about it, have any kind of passionate and negative feeling towards Campbell's. <laughs> right. So it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, and just the whole soup is good food sure. mantra that Easy. they've just trotted out for decades now that works. But yeah, it it does seem like a business that I don't know, good quarter, but it's hard to get excited. But you and I were talking earlier today, Mark. Once upon a time, not that long ago, this was a, not just a strong company. This was a market beating stock year in and year out, mm-hmm. and 
I would say over the last 10 years ago or, or so, it has really pretty it's struggled against the market. Absolutely. You don't even have to go back that far. You look at the beginning of 2013, from January to April, the stock shot up something ridiculous, something like 24% or something like that. And then it's just been a roller coaster ride ever since, again, as as Campbell's has struggled against these headwinds. So, they've, they've been spending a lot uh, in terms of advertising. They're shifting their portfolio around, trying to get into that organic market. One of the things they're trying, actually, they're going to stop selling uh, all Campbell's soup in cans. They're going to start selling them in cartons, because that's much healthier. Obviously, uh, so uh, Campbell's has been struggling in that they haven't found their footing in this new world order, and they've been spending money trying to find their footing. Uh, again, uh, you look at the margins for this quarter. So gross margin was down a little bit because of higher supply chain costs, a bit of cost inflation. Uh, they're also going to be worried about some of the um, excuse me headwinds from currency uh, internationally. But the the operating margin was fine. It actually expanded. Uh, they cut administrative expenses and cut some uh, some marketing and selling expenses as well. So maybe maybe they are starting to find their footing. I don't know. I, while you're waiting for them to find your, their footing, this is a decent company. The dividend yield of what is it, two point eight percent? I mean, you can you'll be making money while you wait, and it's not again like Campbell's is going to disappear tomorrow. But I'd feel a lot more secure if there was less spending and more. All right, this is the new direction we're taking. Here we are, and we're going to own this space like we've owned soups. I think that's that's part of the problem. There is they're a little bit uh, not sure what space they're in anymore. I mean, it, it's you know we we look at Campbell's every quarter and quarter and quarter out. It's it's they are not growing organically. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. I mean, that's we're looking for organic growth with this company, and they're not finding in that soup division. So they start buying new little sort of, you know, bolt-on acquisitions to build that portfolio like like Mark was saying and and the problem is you, you keep on doing that those costs start materializing and, and unless you're realizing a, a return on that then then all of a sudden the stock really just does languish for a while and mm. and I think that that's what we've seen for for you know the past you know several quarters right and they just reduced revenue growth uh, revenue guidance excuse me it was going to be what was it 1.1 to 2% this coming year now it's flat to 2% I mean, they it, they know that they need to find something new soon. Let's move on to retail because Friday is Black Friday, and well, let's start with that. How important <laughs> is Black Friday? How important is it for major retailers? Um, I, I, I mean, I saw a headline uh, earlier today, and it was someone asking the question: Does Black Friday matter? It matters for some more than others. I think when you look at a lot of the big box retailers, uh, whether it's Best Buy or Walmart, you know places like that, I think I think they really um, depend on it to a degree because there's a lot of traffic that's created there, and and it's responsible for. I mean, the holiday season is responsible for a generous portion of the annual sales here in in the U.S. And uh, so you have two sides of that coin, right? You have your your Big box retailers, even your e-commerce plays like Amazon is. Amazon's been playing this thing out pretty much all month long already. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know they they certainly resort to the advertisements and really pushing that consumer mentality of of a deal, and and they benefit from that. You see that in the top line growth. Uh, other places, you you see like I mean we were just talking about Tiffany. They're not even going to participate in Black Friday. I mean it's just not what they do. Mm-hmm. And and I think uh, you know that's kind of where that stands. I mean it's it's really. I mean, I think we've hit the point of no return here with Black Friday and Cyber Monday. I mean, the the consumer is being conditioned to more or less expect 
a lot of things, and, and pretty soon low prices aren't going to even cut it. There's going to you're going to have to have some other carrot out there to, to to bring them into your store or or to order from you. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how this continues to develop. I mean, personally for me, I I, I don't go out and participate in any of it. I mean, I just you know do my shopping online whenever I do it, and if I happen to see a cool deal, that's great. But uh, I realize I'm probably in the minority. The guy sitting next to you, I think, is going to be participating in Black Friday. Can't wait! Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm psyched. This you is my first Black Friday. Well, oh yeah, yeah, I've got I've got the whole nine yards planned out. I'm going to uh, Tyson's Corner, which is just this huge local mall, and it's just going to be bedlam. I've never been I've never been in D.C. for a Black Friday. I've always been down south. Just went straight to anyone from below the Mason Dixon line knows you know uh, Hudson Hudson Belk, um, which just has some great men's department shopping. There's nothing like shopping. On Black Friday, man, it's it's you guys are missing out. Well, you got to give it a shot. Do, do, do you? How do you prepare for that? Do you, you have, don't. Do you, you, have you elbow just gotta, pads. No, nope, no, you just got to go with the flow, man. Fuel up on coffee. Let or? your body go limp and just just be carried <laughs> along the waves of glorious, glorious Pepper sales. Pepper spray and yeah. I, something to protect I, yourself. I just want right? to pivot off what what you were saying, Jason. I think it does matter for companies, if only from the standpoint of the narrative. I think that. And for the last couple of years, the narrative has been a negative one. Retail in the United States has been challenged, Mm. to put it mildly. And I think particularly in the wake of the most recent earnings reports from the likes of Target, Walmart, and Best Buy, where they had good reports, they've got some momentum coming into the holiday. I think that it doesn't mean, it doesn't guarantee great success or abhorrent failure. If it goes badly, but I think that if it goes well, I think it helps continue and extend the narrative for the companies, and that can only help them. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a coalition of, of retailers just get together and say, "Okay, listen, this Black Friday, Cyber Monday stuff is just trivial. I mean, we're we're just going to start November first through the end of the year. This is these are the prices, these are the sales. You just any any time for these next two months, this is it. It's just going to be November and December, and we're we're not going to assign it." You know, a day because I mean, it it is nuts to see these news stories where people go out on Black Friday and start beating each other up or pepper spray. I mean, it's just you see yeah, that's Mark, all the news. Mark, just, we don't want okay, to we don't right. we don't want to see you in, in the news. It's, it's phenomenal like, to me that that actually happens. But I mean, you know, we, I I suspect we're going to see a very uh, I I think we're going to see a healthy holiday season here. I mean, there are a lot of indicators that would that would say uh, people are ready to spend a little bu- a little bit of money. I mean, unemployment is is better than it was. Consumer sentiment is is at a seven year high, and and fuel prices are low. Uh, so there is the potential out there. Those are the catalysts for uh, you know a pretty a pretty robust holiday season. Before we get to our final story, a couple of programming notes. Uh, this is our last market foolery of the week. As I said yesterday, it's a short week for us, but. Hey, this gives you yet another chance to check out where the money is. Our other daily podcast here at the Motley Fool. So check that out. You should have held a pause there. This is our last market foolery (laughs) (laughs) for the week. Uh, Next week we will be back. We'll be back on Monday, and next week uh, I'm not sure exactly which day, but next week I'm going to have what I think is a, a pretty exciting announcement about Motley Fool podcast. That's just a little teaser. To tune in next week for I'm that. Intrigued. Let's get to our final story because the last time the three of us were in the studio, one of the companies we talked about was <laughs> Jack in the Box, uh, parent company of Qdoba. And Mark, you were talking about Munchy meals. the Munchy Meals, which again, to go back to the business, <laughs> Jack in the Box, the, the those restaurants did surprisingly well. Oh, yeah. And credit was going to their breakfast menu. Mm-hmm. 
and their munchie meals, mm-hmm. which is their late night stoner menu. Let's right. just call it what it is. And yeah. and as we said that time, kudos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kudos to the people at Jack in the Box and whoever was the executive who st- stood up in the Think room about and that said, guy. Think about how much or it gal. takes. Or gal, excuse me. Think about how <laughs> the cojones on that male or female <laughs> to stand up in front of, say, the CEO and say, you know who our customers are? Stoners. You know not who, that there's anything wrong with not that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know who nobody uh, you know, brings out, rolls out the red carpet to? Stoners. Let's be those people. Let's be. Let's roll out the red carpet for stoners. Um, so, not that you're a stoner. No. But you were in California, and you arrived late at night. You smell funny, and your eyes are bloodshot. No, no. Tomorrow. There was a nice pause between you were a stoner. So a you stoner. you land, mm-hmm. you get your rental car, mm-hmm. and you head to a Jack in the Box. Of course I did. What'd you get? I was in L.A. for the weekend, went straight to a Jack in the Box, and of course got one of the munchy meals. And by the way, these are, again, $6 boxes, cardboard boxes. They come with an order of curly fries, a drink, two tacos, obviously, <laughs> and then a sandwich of your choice. My sandwich of choice, and I regret this immensely, was the chicken tater melt. Uh, that is a chicken patty with a hash brown tater tot patty on top of that, smothered in ranch and cheese. Oh. Uh, and it's very tough to tell the difference between the ranch and the cheese. And some bacon on top, all of it on a croissant roll. Uh, I looked up the stats, the calories for this entire <laughs> meal, not as bad as you may think. Let, let, uh, let me take a guess. Yep, let's hear it. So, curly fries, curly fries. two tacos, yep. that monstrosity of a sandwich you just, just described. I'm going to go... Jason, you're going to guess after me. I'm going to uh, I'm going to go 1350. Okay. Okay. Jason. Going 1675. Ooh, Jason gets it. It's uh, 1756. All right. Calorie wise, uh, four- I like I like that you prefaced all of this by saying not, not as, as bad. Many. No, 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 not, not as, as many bad. as you'd think. Let's no, be real. actually, it was more than I thought. <laughs> Only 151 carbs and a protein count of 44 grams. That's enough for three days of protein. It was. It was everything I've ever wanted and more. Really? Oh, yeah. How crowded was the location? That was just me. Just me and the folks <laughs> in the Jack in the Box with the purple lights going and the music playing. Like It was just two people well, what, in the What kitchen. time of day was it? It was like 1230 at night. It was, oh, it okay, was, wow. Yeah, deep into munchy time. Absolutely. And no one was around, but I came through. They're happy to see me. It was fresh off the griddle. It was delicious. I can see why people keep coming back here. Let's I think anytime I hear something is smothered, it tends smothered. to not be very appetizing for me. I can't think of what I would want to eat where smothered's involved. Yes, smothered is one of those words. It's almost never describing something yeah. really positive. Ranch and cheese. Come on, guys. It just, it just, it, Even it, when you're smothered with love, you're still being smothered. It implies overkill. Uh, let's end uh, on a, a slightly more... Uh, healthy note, food-wise. Thursday is Thanksgiving. Mark, I'll start with you. What is your, what is the food on Thanksgiving Day you're the most looking forward to? Straight back to the munchie meal. I'm going <laughs> no. back to back to Cali. <laughs> going, going back to back. Uh, I've I've always ever since I was little I'd like to mix and mash. So I'll take the mashed potatoes and I'll take the the stuffing. I'll take the turkey. I'll take the gravy. Keep it all separate at first, so the parents see it, and then they turn away. Oh, he's behaving himself, and I'll just mush it all up. I'll, I'll, I'll smother that, that turkey with gravy and mashed potatoes, just chop it all up. It's the combination. It's not one specific thing. It's the combination of everything that just, oh, beautiful. Jason? So I think I've, I've called this out before, and I'm sticking with it because I really do like it. It's peanut butter stuffing. 
Um, oh yeah, it, so it's it's I guess it's a southern thing. You know, my my grandmother on my mother's side did it for us growing up, and and you just you're cooking a turkey in the oven, you just fill that thing up with as much peanut butter as you want. I mean, just just pack it in there, and and it it keeps the the turkey moist as it cooks. But when it's done, I mean, you know, you scoop out you scoop out what's left, and and it goes really well actually with the turkey. Um, and I'm, I'm a peanut butter guy, so I'm gonna stick with peanut butter stuffing. What kind of I gotta ask? What kind of peanut? Like smooth, chunky? What? what? You, you know, that's and that's personal preference, right? Okay. I, I think uh, okay. you know, I think I've had it with both. I, I like it both ways. I mean, I think ch- chunky is great or crunchy is great, but uh, you know, smooth smooth works too. Yeah. I'm just going to go with my food and and then make a use it as an opportunity to make a public service announcement. Because um, I love the desserts at my Thanksgiving, uh, but if I'm only getting one item, it's it's the stuffing with the gravy. And my public service announcement is, if you are in some way, if you're listening and you're involved in the preparation of a th- sort of the traditional Thanksgiving meal, don't run out of gravy. Just don't. Whatever you do, disaster. There, there are mistakes you can make in the kitchen on Thanksgiving. Don't run out of gravy. Don't and don't let anyone say we have enough gravy. No, no, no. There's no such. (laughs) You always need more gravy. Gravy and alcohol, right? Yeah. Not necessarily together. Make sure you're stocked. Thanks for being here, guys. Happy, Thank thanks, you. happy thanks. Thanksgiving. You happy too. Thanksgiving. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. 